DC Public Library podcast is made possible in part by the Institute of Museum and Library Services and is a production of the labs at DC Public Library. You're listening to the DC Public Library podcast recorded from the lab's recording studio in the historic modernized Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Library in downtown Washington, DC. This episode is part of the Memories on Tap series, where we highlight the stories of real people who use our DIY digital preservation lab, known as the Memory Lab, to save the memories contained in their precious personal items, including home movies, audio cassettes, photographs, and more. I'm your host, Robert LaRose, and I'm a librarian in the labs at DCPL. As part of the labs here at MLK Memorial Library, we have a do-it-yourself workstation called the Memory Lab for digitizing video and audio recordings in a variety of formats and for scanning photographs, 35mm slides, and negatives. You can find out more about it by visiting dclibrary.org slash labs slash memory lab. Unfortunately, the labs are still closed to the public due to challenges posed by COVID-19. However, we have a number of upcoming virtual events which you can find out about by visiting bit.ly slash labsclasses. You can also sign up to receive email updates about the labs by going to bit.ly slash labs dash email. To learn about additional virtual programs being offered by DCPL, visit dclibrary.org slash calendar. As I mentioned before, the purpose of this series is to feature the stories of real people who have used the Memory Lab to preserve their precious personal collections. My guest today is Rose Scott, who used the lab to digitize a number of her 8mm video cassette tapes. So I guess to start, can you just give a little background just generally about yourself and what initially brought you to the lab? So I'm retired and I was going through a lot of, you know, possessions and getting rid of a lot of things. And I came across a whole box of videotapes of my kids, which was approximately the 90s. So a little bit pre-digital and some more into sort of digital tapes, but certainly not, you know, current technology. And there were a lot that I had never seen before. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Actually, that's, that is accurate. There were, <laughs> there were many that I had taken and ever, never actually viewed. So that is an accurate statement. I know um, there were some, exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, some, the first time I saw them was when I was looking at them at the library. Mm-hmm. Um, there were also um, a lot that I'd forgotten about. And I'll just like, rem- like remember, and some of them even after seeing them that I couldn't remember, and other people couldn't remember. It's like, oh, I don't remember that happening at all. Interesting. So it is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing what a, a, a document it creates for you. So um, I had them, and I'd had them for a while. I knew, I knew of their existence for a good four or five years and kind of had in the back of my mind. I'd looked into 
you know, sending them somewhere. And there was some expense doing that. But more than that, it was like fear of losing control of them because they're the only copy you have. So it's really scary to just put them in a box and send them to somebody or even drop them off somewhere. And then I also knew that out of all that tape, there was probably the 80-20 rule, right? About 20% I really wanted. And yeah. Yeah, getting getting rid of stuff yeah. uh, is actually a huge first step to preserving what you actually want to keep. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, so I was really excited when I heard about the memory lab. And at first, I couldn't even believe that it was what it was. <laughs> I read about it and I said, wait, you mean someone will like give me access to the equipment to do the thing that I want to do? I, I couldn't even believe it was true. Um, and then I came in, it happened to be because of the overall, the overhaul of the downtown library. It happened to be in a library very close to me and I dropped in and the staff was super, super friendly and helpful. And I was uh, directed to a particular person. Um, whenever I asked anything about it, wherever I went, I said, oh, you need to talk to Robert. Yeah, you need to talk to Robert. Yeah, yeah, talk to Robert. So I finally met Robert, and they were all absolutely right. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're very kind. Oh, it, it, made, it made all the difference in getting started. You know, having somebody there to walk you through it, it was really excellent. I went, of course, to one of those intro days, which was perfect because it was a nice, you know, gradual introduction to it. It made it not seem intimidating and, you know, scary. It was myself and a couple other people and we're all asking the same, you know, dumb questions and, and figuring it out. <laughs> no dumb and then, of questions. Course, no dumb yeah. questions. There are That's no what they say, questions. but <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I've seen, I've heard some dumb questions in my time. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so um, anyway, so that was great. And then of course the first day was like, it's just, just, I would say if I advised anybody is just go in your first day with like really low expectations, bring in a really small amount of material, um, maybe stuff that you don't care about that much just to lower your stress level and just expect that there's going to be a lot of starts and stops and yeah. You actually had some really good pieces of advice that I haven't really thought about before, but uh, it makes a lot of sense. Bringing in something that maybe you're not as tied yeah, to, not your very most just precious to test, yeah, test thing stuff in the world. Out. Yeah, don't bring in bring in maybe a little bit less than you expect to do in case there are any issues. Yeah, because just even, have yeah, it really. The equipment is very good. Um, it's up to date. We try to keep it, you know, really tip-top shape. But there's always that possibility of some problem. Yeah. And actually, it's not just about the equipment and getting used to the equipment. You're also going to have your own personal, you know, sort of approach to this. Your own way that you manage it you know, how you like to organize things. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of repetition. Um, there's a lot of organization. You know, keeping track of your original material, keeping track of your digitized material, you know, naming things so that you can find them again and figure out what's associated with what. I ended up with doing um, 
these long indexes of what was on each original tape um, because most of that was all digitized together um, and I did not have a record of that prior so um, you'll it's a it's a combination of learning the thing but also like I said learning your own um, strategies that work best for you yes exactly yeah and you know file naming consistent file yes. naming having uh, it really doesn't matter what it is but as long as you have a system because That's right. sometimes uh, it's harder to organize your digital stuff than your physical because you see all these things and it's less tangible than the physical. That's, well, ones. they all look exactly the same. Right. <laughs> and like... having, I like that you, you, you made a kind of um, an outline of what events are covered in each tape. That's really helpful because then you can go back and if you want to... I remember you said you did some editing afterward as well. Mm -hmm. So if you want to edit things together or cut some things out, then you know exactly which tape because you have that record of it. That's really yeah. good. Well, I didn't do that for the first few tapes, <laughs> which is why the only other ones got it. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, you end up having you, to run through everything. Yeah. Yeah. You developed that system yeah. eventually and I'm yeah. sure it was very helpful. Yeah. So was... you, you mentioned uh, the, the fear of sending it off to another uh, organization or company to have them digitize it for you, which is a very real concern because some transfer houses will might not necessarily um, give you back your originals, for instance. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I think most probably do, but it, it really depends on the place. Mm. Um, I was also afraid, I pictured these sort of you know, large processing places with material being sort of, you know, quickly moved around and moved in and out and all being done in mass. And I don't know, it's not where you want to send something. It's really one of a kind and very special to you. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it actually makes the process more special. I, th I think mm -hmm. if you have the time to invest in it in mm -hmm. by, you know, by doing it, going through the, the digitization process yourself. Absolutely. And then you can, you know, you can reconnect with that content or connect with it for the first time, like some of the ones yes. that, that you had. I um, saw some things like the first time I saw them was as they were being digitized. And I was like, what is that? That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Some, there were some videos I literally had never seen before because the kids had taken them and I didn't know. Uh-huh. That was really fun. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to ask, going back to the, the concern about sending your things away and losing control, mm. did you hear about an experience from someone you knew? I did who, not. Mm -mm. Like, what caused you to have that, that, that opinion? Yeah, gave you that concern. Well, because most of the... I just, I just, I think it's just being old and knowing how the world works. Most of those organizations that do that are relatively small, local, um, and and not that to say that that's no, not necessarily responsible or, or anything. But there's not a um, that most of them don't have a um, what was the expression I'm looking for? You know, when you've got track record. Most of them don't have mm. a good track record. I see. Right, that you mm. could. Right. Yeah. yeah. And when you ask them, you know, what do you do if something, and they, you know, basically they acknowledge there's nothing we can do. If something gets destroyed. Yeah, that's it. 
it's really done. Especially with my situation, which was that all everything I wanted to digitize was on uh, magnetic tape. And you're too young. Most of the audience is probably too young, but <laughs> back in the old days, you know, with the tape pulled out of the cassette. And, oh, I remember. Oh, I'm, you're old. Yeah. I'm not not too young for the for magnetic tape. <laughs> but you know, once that tape was out, I, I, you know, I got I got away a few times with like scotch taping it together. Actually, mm -hmm. I got away with doing splicing some of my tapes together. Oh that wow! Way. Yeah, I mm -hmm. was able to repair some tapes that I thought were lost um, by doing exactly that by splicing them together with tape, scotch tape. You know, that's the that's, video tapes. Yeah, that's how you had to do it. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and actually. One of, so as part of the memory lab, we do have the, the online instruction guide, which is more than just instructions telling you how to do everything. Um, it also has some links to other resources related to digital preservation in general. And mm -hmm. one of them is actually a link to the organization webpage for the Center for Home Movies, which is an organization that um, is focused on connecting, well, one of the things they do is to connect people who have movie film. Yeah. You know, like 8mm film, which is uh, a format that the Memory Lab, of course, can't yeah. accommodate. Right. They have a list of transfer houses around the country, actually around the world, I think, that have that track record. Excellent. of having a preservation focused mission so they you know they might give you the digital file in multiple formats or maybe like a you know an uncompressed archival copy plus a lesser you know a smaller file size for a, a, a copy that can be shared with multiple people it's easier to share yeah and right. they'll give you back the original yeah. Wow. That's a lot of work that they're doing because you have to, you actually have to play that movie. That's the only way mm -hmm. you can do it. Yep. You have in to, real time. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You also mentioned that, um, well, of course you, you said that you were doing primarily or exclusively eight millimeter or mm -hmm. was it high eight? Tapes, it was it was a combination of tapes. Yeah, there were eight millimeter, and then some of them were high eight, and some of them were not. But because I was bringing in my own camera that played both, right? What spun out into the um, library system was the same signal, mm -hmm. no matter which tape I was doing. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, and what the box, the library's box, had to pick up mm -hmm. was consistent. Yeah, and just to elaborate on that, of course, um, high eight or eight millimeter or super eight um, cassette tapes, not the, the open reel film, but the cassettes are not a format that the memory lab, strictly speaking, can accommodate. But in your case, it was lucky that you had that original camcorder that was used to record the tapes that you could then um, connect to our VHS deck and then record them that way. So that, that is an option. 
um, for anybody who has that format. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the lab is closed right now to the public, but we're still trying to put out a lot of virtual content. And that's not just for the memory lab, but the labs in general, which are now all back at the MLK Memorial Library. So I also wanted to ask you if you, uh, you know, as you were going through, you kind of mentioned this a little bit already, but were there, was there anything that was uh, unexpected to you as a result of going through the process? Oh, you, yes. You, you kind of talked about seeing oh my videos that <laughs> yeah. you didn't even know existed like that yes. your kids took and oh, yes. anything else like that oh lots and lots i mean <laughs> i <laughs> so there was uh, most of it was like my kids because that's you know that's what you do i think i actually bought the camera i bought the camcorder um when i was in labor with my first child and the last thing on the last tape that i did was my the graduation of my youngest child so this, this tape, this was really like just bracketed by taking pictures of the kids. But along the way, other people kind of come in and out. And so there were, um, you know, family weddings, family gatherings. Um, there was my grandmother's 80th birthday. And one thing, I, a lot of, one of the things I had a really good time doing was sharing the tapes with my siblings and other members of the family, not the kids, but older members of the family. And I remember, I hope this isn't too macabre, but it's really <laughs> extraordinary sending a tape to my father who is um, in his late eighties. And it was a family gathering and half the people and many of them much younger than he, half the people in the video had passed away. And I, I wrote it, I sent him the tape and I wrote to him, you know, here are, you know, he, he had like his great niece and his, his sister and his brother-in-law, his, his uh, cousin, all these people. Yeah. That was pretty striking. Yeah. What, how did uh, he react to that, to seeing that? Well, like I said, he's a white man in his mid eighties. How do they ever react to anything? <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. I think no. I think I think he probably found it very, very touching. Mm. I do. I, I I know he did. Yeah, um, just to see. Um, what's crazy to me to think about is how before I guess about a century ago, most people would basically all people would never have had the opportunity to see people or hear people after they died. But now that we do have that capability, I think it's it's really been, I mean, obviously over the last century or so, there have been innumerable technological advances that have changed our lives so much. But that's a really big one, I think. The mm -hmm. ability to see people and see things that happened as they actually happened rather than just your perception of how they happened your perception of your family member who passed away. You can see how these people and how these things actually occurred. Yeah, so totally it, agree. I think that's pretty, um, you know, you don't really think about that. I, I didn't really think about it until I started working with the memory lab and seeing 
um, how uh, it really changes people's lives in terms of letting them see things that maybe they never would have been able to re-experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many, so many fun things. My, my sister has two sets of twins. And I had caught a bunch of it. I'd been around, you know, sort of when they were little, like probably, I mean, maybe, maybe I theoretically thought I was helping out. I doubt I was very doing much good. But <laughs> anyway, I had a ton of video from, because twins are fun to record, right? There's two of them. Of course. And yeah. it was great for her because she said, I have no memory. I mean, when you have twins, you have no memory of the first like six months of anything. Like you're so busy, you're going a mile a minute. So yeah. it was really great, you know. To, yeah, yeah, yeah really that's fun. that's pretty it astounding. Fun. It was really great. Mm. Um, I thought of something else, and you were talking about seeing things. Oh, this isn't really relevant to the memory lab, but that's okay. Really extraordinary. When I bought the video camera for the kids, right? About the kids were about. Actually, I don't think this my second child had been born yet, so I'd only had the cameras for you know a year or two. But see, I already had this little first child who was used to being recorded all the time, used to seeing. Because at that point, I said just one kid, so I would actually play them back and look at them. Used to seeing himself. Oh, that's me, right? By the time he was one. He, could, he knew that that was him, and that he was doing something, and right? Wow. Um, laughing at himself. I took mm -hmm. the camera on a trip that I did with my parents, and I videotaped them, and then I showed it to them in the evening, and they, were, they didn't know how to handle it. They were just like, I don't look like that, or I don't, you know, they, yeah. they could handle a picture of themselves. They'd gotten used to that, which maybe my grandparents or my great-great-grandparents would have struggled with, seeing a photo of themselves. They probably mm -hmm. did, right? The first time right. they saw a still photo of themselves, they went to the, some, you know, fancy photographer's studio. Or it was a big deal. and got a picture taken, and it came two weeks later, and there, mm -hmm. there was what they looked like. With nobody but, smiling um, because they didn't know to smile then. Smile. then. Right. <laughs> yeah. And moving just a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was really, it was really fun. So that would have been what the early '90s, mm -hmm. and I just remember, you know. And then, of course, I think the next day, especially my mother was like, "Don't take my picture! Don't take my picture!" Because she'd seen what she looked like, and yeah, yeah, that is very and now, interesting. Of course, I've got like, you know, my kids, my nieces and nephews. That's just, you know, mm -hmm. our life. Yeah expecting yeah. when when you talk about when older people talk about security issues and you know being photographed in public places and stuff i mean millennials just don't understand like mm. what is your problem with this because have an expectation that that's going to be happening right yeah i i find that too in the um you know people who i talk to who tend to be younger in the i guess what would be considered millennial um, it doesn't seem that privacy is as much of a concern in general because we're just, it's almost become passe, or not passe, but uh, like taken for granted or as automatic that we're going to be watched in, or, you know, seen by somebody yeah. all the time or recorded, you know. 
though I think, I think they do have a really strong definition of privacy, but it's much more um, li- limited and it's much more reasonable. Hmm. They have an expectation of privacy, like in their bedroom, among their friends. If they say, if you tell somebody, you know, don't tell anybody else, that's really, really strong um, value in, w- among millennials that you don't share a secret or don't share a confidence that somebody hasn't expressly. That's like a huge, you know, which I, I think is less the case in like my generation. The whole, whole idea of sort of gossiping and sharing information because information was a, pre- a premium, right? right? So there was this expectation that you would sort of leverage information that you had and gossip, you know, in, a so- in, for, in social situations. Mm-mm. So they, they have a much more limited area of privacy, but they value it very, very highly. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I actually see that. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's, that's just been my observation. I, yeah. I, I haven't done a study. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, just anecdotally, it, it makes sense to me. So now you, um, you're, you're kind of halfway, roughly, through your project, right? Yes, so I'm you, exactly you halfway. You haven't finished <laughs> because... Um, because of COVID. Right, yep. you, were, you were right in the middle of it. I was planning to come it. back in right, I think, I think, I was, I think I was actually scheduled to come back in in March or April whenever you guys closed down. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, when back in March and April when we had to start canceling all of the, the uh, there were quite a few memory I'm lab sure. reservations that were scheduled through March and um, into April. Well, yeah. April, not so much because by then it, you know. It was clear. Yeah. <laughs> the writing was on the wall. Yeah, but uh, I felt, I felt so bad, just knowing how you know, some people for some people, it is a very si- time sensitive thing. Uh, ah. Yeah. You know, um, I've heard from people who have used the lab, either right after or trying to do it before a family member passes away Mm. Um, and uh, just because of how packed how emotionally packed the content is i can imagine it being hard for for people to not have that resource for so long yeah so but you know Safety is is a priority right now. And also just remember the fact that people are missing it so much means that you're providing a really wonderful, valued service. I I, I like to think so. I hope so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're all finding out, you know, with COVID we're are we are finding out what really matters to us and what and I I have no doubt the memory lab will be become more valued and more used. After COVID, I think a lot of people are going to come out of this with a realigned set of values. And how you know how important it is to to save in in a time when we you know obviously it's an understatement to say that there are a lot of things going on mm. right now in the world. Uh, it's really important to document history as it's seen by regular people for. Uh, generations down the line absolutely oh i have a fun one for you you were talking about surprises oh this is i love this one so this is when my son was born um literally right when the simpsons came out 
the very first Simpsons cartoon. Like he's exactly as old as the Simpsons franchise. Wow. <laughs> yes. And there is a video of him as a little tiny baby. And I, I'm taking pictures of him, which is the whole reason that the camera's on and this is getting recorded at all. And in the background, you can hear the Simpsons theme. And then I flash and I turn toward the living room with the camera and his dad says, you know what's happening all over the country right now? Everybody's sitting down in front of their TV set. This thing is, you know, it's, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. And he's watching like, seriously, like the first or second Simpsons episode ever. Wow. Yeah. And I love that. It's like catching look a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was right. Yeah. That's, that is 30 years later. That is amazing. (laughs) Kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, um, you know, you have all of these files that you created Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you, you alluded to the, the need for organization earlier. Mm -hmm. How have you been uh, keeping up with organizing and just trying to care for your your digital collection now that you have? Well, number one, you know, multiply, multiply, multiply. So the computer that I was using to do them at the library was my first copy. Whenever I get home, the first thing I would do was transfer them onto an expansion drive. So I immediately had two hard copies of my own. Also as a byproduct of the process of doing them, I, often created um, a cloud copy and I'm not a huge, you know, fan of the cloud. And also I didn't, I worry a little bit about having people's personal data in terms of privacy of having other people's personal data. And some of it's, you know, there's pictures of my kids when they were naked, when they were little, you know, as little kids, that kind of thing. So um, I was really careful that none of that got put in the cloud. Um, So I did that. And then a third computer, and a third expansion drive. So everything I've digitized in the video, I have on. I have four hard copies of that I have control of, and they're not in the same space. They're not in the same place. That's good. You yeah. mean by hard copy, you mean that they're stored on hard. They're stored on physical yeah, devices. Yeah, physical right? devices that I that I control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's and good. One of, yeah, and they have kind of sort of levels of level. So one sort of the working copy, which is on the com- a computer I transferred everything to. Um, the, the library computer, it's much less organized, and that's just the one I'll use when I come back in. Um, but then there's an archive and then a super archive. So there's an archive that I'll pull off of and on of, and then the super archive is, it's like you know, in a lead box, not exactly, but, you know, it's protected from, from heat, it's protected from, you know, anything magnetic, and it's stored someplace that would be difficult for anybody to, you know, find it for, for it to be damaged, and that's the... That's the super archived copy. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. there's a concept called the three two one rule. Basically, oh. you have three copies of a digital file okay. saved on at least two different types of media. So, for instance, like your hard drive, your external hard drive, and the cloud, or a different computer. Mm-hmm. And then one, at least one copy, would be saved in a geographic location separate from you. So you're, you've got it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that just makes sense pat. to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the issues is, it's really tricky, is that 
um, it's really hard to protect from fire. And when I was kind of joking about a lead box, but even if you put it inside a metal box, I mean, at some point, heat destroys everything, mm -hmm. right? So I kind of crossed my fingers because my archive, archive one, is in a brick house. So I'm just kind of <laughs> hopefully I minimize the possibility of, yeah. And of course, you know, if that copy does come to some harm, what you do is immediately, you know, recreate it from the others. Right, yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, deep archive it again. Right. Yeah. Having things backed up um, is very It's kind important. of fun, too, because it's distributed. The really precious ones mostly are, have meaning because they have meaning to others. And so I've sent them to other people who've downloaded them and have copies of their own. Yeah. So that's kind of a secondary, you know, mm -hmm. preservation step. Absolutely. Yeah. What are some of those most meaningful ones that are most meaningful to other people in your family um, or whoever? Well, I think, I think, like you said, for my dad, um, a lot of the videos of his generation, things that I took sort of almost like by accident because the kids were little, but those people were around. I, I, I agree with you that it's really nice for him to have, you know, because you didn't think of taking home movies of older people when he was, you know, just, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been really nice for him. Um, my sister's twins, that's been a really big one. And for them too, because because they were twins, there actually aren't isn't that much video taken at the house. I mean, mm. you're just so busy with twins, yeah. you just don't do it. So yeah. they she didn't take a lot of video of them. So all of a sudden, they're like finding out what they look like, and <laughs> it's really cute. So those have been really important. Um, sharing uh, some of the ones, some of my put together anthologies. One that was really sweet that became we all knew about, but it came became really evident watching the videos was the relationship that my daughter and son have. Hmm. And so, and I'm not done with that because there's parts of it that are in that half that we talked about that I haven't digitized yet, yeah, but I'm continued. putting together, yeah, a start to finish <laughs> anthology, which is calling the relationship, which is just about how from the, there is, I have a video of the first time he ever saw her. Right. And then That's I have really all these wonderful interactions with them. You know, some negative, some positive, some wild, and all the things that they shared through the years. Yeah. That's really special. And I bet, you know, especially really cool. as they get, get uh, older, continue to get older, they yeah. um, will probably find that to be very valuable. Oh, I know. Here, this is a really fun one. I love this. Okay. Sure. So about the same time that I was doing mine, my daughter's husband's family was digitizing theirs. Oh, wow. And they're about the, my daughter. So my daughter's husband was seeing the pictures of her as a little kid. And she was seeing him as a little kid. <laughs> and it was happening at the same time. That's was, really cool. It was really cute. Mm. Yeah. So, well, you know, you're, you're still in the process of it, but you already have such a good handle on, it seems, on uh, the principles of preservation and making sure things are backed up and just saved for generations down the line. So do you uh, find that there's anybody in your family who is, or maybe not in your family, who you are close to who has the same uh, mindset of preservation and wants to continue this work down the line? Um, not yet, but there are 10 kids in the next generation down, and they're, they range in age from their 
from 30 on down, well, 30 down to about 11 or 12. And I think that those are characteristics that will emerge from someone in that group. I I'm almost certainly, you know, out of 10 of them, mm -hmm. there'll be one or two and probably someone will be clear, will clearly become the, you know, sort of the family. There'll, there'll be a kid who's interested in, yeah. you know, grandma, grandpa. I mean, I'm expecting that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I mean, yeah, I know it took me um, a while. I, I think too late for me to become really interested in documenting my own family history. Because um, mm. I had some older family members pass before when I was a yeah. young kid. Right. Um, before I even thought to um, try to record them in mm -hmm. any meaningful way so yeah yeah i was i was kind of a nerdy little kid and um you know so, sort of socially awkward so i always liked the older people mm -hmm. and i really liked super old people when i was a kid which turns out to be very useful you know like as i get older now stuff starts happening you know your body starts falling apart like stuff we were talking about earlier with surgeries <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. my friends are all like griping and complaining like oh it's terrible and i just look at them like what did you think was going to happen? Like, do yeah. you have grandparents? Like, don't you remember your great aunt, you know, complaining about her, her lobot, what is it called? Lumbago, whatever they used to have. Oh yeah. yeah right. Yeah. What they used to call backaches. There was some funny word. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, so I was interested and I did, I was kind of the kid who kept the like family things, family pictures, things like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely can relate to the uh, getting, you know, liking old people because I, uh, I also really gravitated toward people who were older than me, um, just spending a lot of time around mm -hmm. them, you know, in my family. Um, but I didn't think about the preservation part until yeah. much later. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, they feel, yeah. when you're young, things feel like the world will always be like this. Mm -hmm. Right, things that are there just seems like they'll always be there. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 true. There's there's a point going back where things become very precious because we have less and less available. Yeah. yeah. Well, I um I wanted to also kind of ask you one one last thing. Unless mm -hmm. there's anything else you wanted to to mention about your experience. Yeah, I'm trying to think of really like exciting ones. It's just, it keeps coming up and up and up. Mm -hmm. There was, my cousin sent me this like, like, um, you know, a YouTube video that was supposed to be all like, you know, super thoughtful and meaningful and everything. And it was a bunch of nature scenes. And one of the nature scenes was exactly the shot that I have of my kids, like being super goofy. And so I said that back to her. Wow. <laughs> she goes, where is that? <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. You, know, you mean like one of those kind of... Uh, Montages you know, where they go yeah, from Yeah, the place inspirational place video place with these places. stock yeah. images. And it happened that the very first one that it starts on is a place we had been and that I have a lengthy, goofy conversation Okay, it's this it's really terrible. It's this waterfall that comes out of the rocks and into the ocean. Mm -hmm. And we're, they're making jokes about how it looks like the rock is peeing into the sea. Oh, I see. <laughs> yes. And this is my response to her very meaningful, 
That is interesting. It says something really important about where we, how early kids get their values and what they that what's important. And well, how, yeah, of course, yeah. I how mean, readily, because you know, I don't think my parents were trying to like, you know, it was just what they cared about, and I had picked up that that's what they cared about. And mm-hmm. We're off to the races. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some level, at some level, I'm probably still doing that now. Yeah, you know? I mean, kids are sponges, so anything that seems yeah. they're just going to pick up anything. I mean, think about it. The satisfaction that I derived from figuring out how to use the memory lab, being good at it, figuring even troubleshooting issues when they came up. Mm-hmm. That from probably goes back shoe. to that same kid yep. expecting to be rewarded and loved for being good at stuff like that. Yep. Fascinating. <laughs> it's a full circle. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, thank you again. My pleasure. So much. It was fun. As I mentioned before, we are continuing to offer virtual events from the labs during this time. For more information about upcoming labs, classes, and programs, visit bit.ly slash labsclasses. You have just listened to an episode of Memories on Tap on DC Public Library podcast recorded from the Labs Recording Studio in the historic, modernized Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Library in downtown Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening, and be sure to join us next time. You just tuned into D.C. Public Library Podcast. Listen and subscribe at dcplpodcast.simplecast.com or wherever podcasts are available. Send us your comments at DCPL on Twitter or follow us at DC Public Library on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening.